It's good to be together to celebrate the harvest. I think we've got a few folk just waiting to come in. I'm just going to wave at them to say, come in. They're waiting patiently for an appropriate moment. That's fantastic. Uh, Pretty much full house today. It's great. Um, I hope you enjoy the service. Um, It's going to be um, what somebody once told me about churches, uh, sorry, the services I lead, organized chaos. That's okay. Um, trying to, address, you know, to engage with people who, who like to do things in different ways, different learning styles, different worshipping styles. Um, but we are here to worship God, and so we're going to hear some words from Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my Lord, you are very great. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hands, they are filled with good things. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. And now we're going to come to God with our prayers. Let's pray together. God of all creation, as we gather to worship you this morning, we realise that our Western urban lifestyle shapes us in ways we don't always realise. We take it for granted that we will have tarmac roads and grumble if there are potholes or uneven paving slabs. We turn on our taps, sure that there will be clear, clean water gushing out to fill our kettles, sinks and washing machines. We flick a switch, press a button or turn a knob, and ovens heat up, burners ignite, or halogen rings glow hot so that we can cook the food of our choice. We amble along the aisles of our chosen supermarket, selecting this product rather than that one, and grumbling or complaining if our favourite flavour or brand is missing. We realise that despite our best efforts, we are consumers, enjoying food we did not grow, water we did not carry, Warmth for which we did not labour. So we come to celebrate the harvest with a sense of honest ambivalence. Of course we're grateful for the things that make our lives comfortable, safe and basically healthy. And of course we regret how easily we slip into the taken for grantedness that assume all this is normal, natural or even our right. But the truth is that we've become so separated from the practicalities of food production, energy generation and water distribution that it isn't really very easy for us to engage in more than a cerebral, potentially superficial level with the complex questions that lie behind the joyful traditions and charitable giving of harvest. So what do we do? We thank you for the abundance we enjoy. We promise, as best we are able, to play our part in answering the prayers we make for others less fortunate than ourselves. 
and how better to do so than to begin with the prayer that Jesus taught his friends, saying in our own first languages and familiar patterns, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, Our reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 12 to verse 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing... Where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kind of tongues. But Are all apostles? Are all prophets? 
Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Strive for the greater gifts. And today we would kind of get to give us this day our daily bread. So that's why that's the title for what I'm going to share. Um, if any of the little ones want to do wet play or colouring or whatever at the back, please, please do. Or if you want to take the clocks and have a go at getting the clocks to work, that's fine as well. So this is kind of more for the grown-ups. So the title then is kind of give us this day our daily bread and we will get there eventually. But I also somehow have to connect with the reading that Operation Agri suggested for us, which is this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I wonder if you have ever noticed something like um, big potholes in the road and thought to yourself something like, well, they really ought to do something about that. Or you see a broken fence or some graffiti and you think, they really ought to sort out what's going on there. This language of they. When I was a student um, studying theology, we did all sorts of things about ethics and social and political theology, community development and all sorts. And we had to do seminars on different things. And it was really common for a student to present their seminar and say, well, of course, they should do something about this or they really ought to get to grips with that. And we had this tutor who was just amazing and she'd just look at you if you said that and she'd just say, and who's they? Who is this they who are going to solve all our problems? Because, of course, there isn't a they, is there? The deeper point that she was making is it's never them It's actually always us, because we are part of the world. We who observe something, whether it's a pothole in the road or graffiti on a fence or a beggar on Byers Road, we have the power, if only we can recognise it and direct it to make a difference, however tiny that difference might be. Many, many years ago, I used to um, buy Christian music CDs and cassettes even before CDs came along. And there was one song that had the lines, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. It was a song about bullying, about the way that words can be used to attack and demean others. But it carried within it a more general truth, that words have power both for good and for ill. In fact, it's words that create our world. The language we use, consciously or unconsciously, creates the world we live in. There's lots of clever philosophy about that, which I never quite understood, but I get the point that they're making. That's one of the reasons why I actually will always have a script. Even if I just wander around and talk, I've always done the script because I need to set the words down first Otherwise, if I just say the first thing that comes into my head, it might not be as carefully thought about as it needs to be. I could say something really, really damaging, and that's not helpful. So words like them and us 
sorry, them and they as well, them and they, or even us and we, are really powerful. Of course they're useful. If we're wanting to talk about some other group of people, we have to say they or them because it's just too clumsy to say anything else. But we have to be careful lest that language becomes exclusive. That they are that over against which we define us. It's one of the things that um, Christians can be very guilty of, that we are Christians and they are not. They are sinners. They are whatever. Very much care needed to avoid using that language in a way that's unhelpful. To move towards a sense that everybody is part of us is, I think, a journey that is useful for us to take. Excuse me. That kind of leads us into talking about the Lord's Prayer. And when we say, give us this day our daily bread. Because what actually are we saying? Are we saying to God, give to me and my family, the people who live in my house, what we need or what we want? Because actually, you know what? I think everybody here has already got those things. We have some food, we have some water, we have a roof over our heads. So we're kind of asking God to give us what we've got. I think we have to be very careful because how we understand what we're praying for is very different from what it might be for the people in Afghanistan or Tanzania or in Glasgow City Mission, or in the east end of Glasgow, or in the streets of London or Manchester, or wherever it is that there are people homeless and in food poverty. Because when they say, give us this day our daily bread, it's a heartfelt plea for themselves, and rightly so. But I have a sense that we actually should be thinking more carefully. And I wonder, I wonder if we fall into a trap of something like this. Please, God, um, give us today our daily brie and cranberry panini and our daily maple pecan danish and our caramel soy latte with extra added twiddly bits. You see, it's quite easy, isn't it, to pray for what we want, not what we need, and to somehow separate ourselves from the others, that we don't think about the people who grow the coffee or the tea that goes into our caramel soy latte or the the cheese that makes our panini, or whatever it is, we just kind of go to the shop and buy it and it comes in. Should our definition of us be wider? So that when we pray for the things we need and the things we want, we pray also for those whose work it is to supply them for us. Should we pray for the people who grow the bananas, the coffee, the chocolate? What would it mean if we could change our worldview to see us more widely? Not defined by our families, not defined by our faith, not defined by our geographical location or any other description, but to say us is everybody everywhere. And that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're actually saying to God, please give everybody Everywhere, the essentials they need for life. Now, that's a powerful prayer, isn't it? That's one that doesn't trip off the tongue quite so quickly 
and quite so glibly because, boy, oh boy, is that tough. Because it actually affects us. It recognises our interconnectedness with the people who grow our food, the people who produce our food, the people who generate the electricity or, or um, whatever you do with gas, harvest the gas, I'm not quite sure what the right word is, to get the gas that goes into our ovens. We're saying we're connected to all those people across the world, that we're part of something much bigger. And I think that's what Paul's on about here with his image of the body. It's one we use quite a lot. It's one I find particularly helpful because it takes us beyond this them and us language to recognise difference, but to recognise difference that is interdependent. Every single member of the body has got a unique function. Hands do what hands do, feet do what feet do, eyes, ears, noses, mouths, stomachs, bowels, whatever. They all do the job they're designed to do. And yet each of them has to work together for the good of the whole. And of course, if one of them hurts, the whole thing hurts. Who's ever stubbed their toe? Or bashed their elbow. And you go, ha, 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 elbow, you're hurting. Ha, 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 don't. If your elbow hurts, if your toe hurts, all of you hurts. If you've got a cold, it affects all of you. Whatever it is, it affects the whole of you because it's interconnected. It's part of one thing. And if we use this language in relation to the church, if we use this language in relation to humanity that we are all interconnected, then if one bit hurts, all of us must hurt. If the growers in Tanzania, or the people in Afghanistan, or the people in Glasgow City Mission Soup Kitchen, or whoever it is, are hurting, then we hurt. We're damaged too, because we're connected to them in some mysterious way. If there is one body, then which should hurt us when somebody goes to bed hungry in Glasgow, or Manchester, or London, or Helsinki, or wherever it is. If there's one body, it should hurt us when the crops of a farmer fail in Africa, or when a dairy farmer in Wales is driven to suicide. If there's one body, we should also delight in the good things. And a new irrigation scheme completed in Afghanistan. A new school library opened in Malawi, whatever it is. Because we're interrelated in the joy as well as the suffering. Well, that's all nice, isn't it? I can say that on a Sunday. And I and all of us can just go out and get on with our daily lives. Because, yeah, that sounds nice. But isn't it huge? It's too huge. We can't just can't sort it out it's too big food poverty fair trade human rights ecological environmental issues they're massive we can't actually think about all of them and it overwhelms us so much that we do nothing because we're paralyzed by the weight of it all but i think you know what paul says about the body helps us here too not in a kind of hierarchical way so that the apostles are at the top and healings down the bottom or whatever kind of thing but that everybody has got something they can do that makes a difference to the whole I kind of had a bit of a play with it if your gift is campaigning 
get involved in campaigning. If your gift is voluntary work with a local charity, then get involved with a local charity. If you have gifts and skills that can be employed for the welfare of others, then employ those gifts and skills for the welfare of others. I think all of us have the potential to become more aware about issues of justice. Whether it's the price that's paid to British dairy farmers or voucher schemes for those in food poverty. Whether it's education in agriculture and healthcare in developing nations or responding to political and religious extremism. The language of us embodied in our daily lives is I've got something that I can do into this big thing that is the us, that is the world. And of course we have to start somewhere. And of course if we follow a scriptural model, we start on our own doorstep in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the world. We start in Glasgow, of course we do. But we can't just look in Glasgow, just look in Scotland, just look in Europe. We also have to look out the global context of which we are a part. Why? Because we believe in a God who has redeemed the whole of creation and will one day bring it all to a new creation. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Help us to recognise our place within the whole of creation and to work and pray for a just society where all people are valued equally And everyone has their needs met. Amen. And so we pray. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The world and all who live in it. God created the earth and all that grows within it. The world belongs to God and the earth and all its people. All around is evidence of the abundance of that creation and signs of the inbuilt renewing of the seasons and the days. And so we pray this morning for those throughout the world who work together in the care of the land Lord of all creation, hear our prayer. God bid the earth to be fruitful, to bear grain for food. Hearing the cry of the hungry in the desert, God gave manna, enough for each day. Seeing the hunger of the people, Jesus took bread and fish, gave thanks to God and fed the people. And so we pray this morning for all those who work to bring bread for the people to eat in farming, in bakery, in transport, in shops, through international cooperation and aid, and in local initiatives. We pray especially this morning for those involved in Operation Agri and the Glasgow City Mission. 
Lord of the harvest of our earth, hear our prayer. God gave to his people a creative spirit, which finds expression in culture, in science, in technology, in the appreciation of beauty and the desire to explore. And so we pray this morning for all in humanity in its diverse creativity. Lord of the harvest of our lives, hear our prayer. This morning we are bringing our gifts and setting them before the Lord of all creation. Gifts which are the result of creative cooperation in using the resources of creation and the talent, the ability and the motivation given to each one of us. God seeks to bring order out of chaos, recognises our human frailty, and yet works with us and through us. While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Lord of all creation, may our prayers lead us to action. May our prayers become a living offering. Amen. We have brought our harvest gifts, those we grew and those we purchased. May they bring blessing to all who receive them. And as we go from here, we offer the harvest of our bodies, minds and hearts. May we too be blessed as we work and pray to bless the world of which we are a tiny but essential part. So may we go in the peace of God to love and serve our Lord. Amen.